listening to Salam Doll, the podcast where Muslim women don't fit the stereotypes, we break them. I'm your host, Zara Pedersen. You can find this episode and the full archive of all the episodes on zarapedersen.com. Welcome to the show. Salam doll and welcome back to the podcast. Before we get started with today's episode, I do have something I really need to make you aware of before we begin. And that is that while I was recording this interview that you're about to hear, I didn't notice, but I had some problems with my microphone, which means that the sound quality on my end is a little worse for wear. Now, I did send it off to a sound technician and he did try his best to salvage what he could from it, but let's be real, you can still hear that the sound quality on my end is struggling a little bit. Now on the bright side, my guest's microphone was working perfectly, which means that her sound quality is perfect. And that is the most important thing because I really want you to listen to what she has to say and let yourself be inspired and motivated by her. My guest today is Ola Khaldi El Ghazouli. Ola and I have been following each other for years on social media, so I feel like I know her, but I have actually never met her. (laughs) I guess this is like how new friendships work in today's world. Either way, Ola graduated from George Mason University with a BS in biology and health promotion minor. She's a certified personal trainer and functional fitness specialist, as well as a certified basic safety swim instructor. Her passion for fitness and health started all the way back in 2004 when she was battling an eating disorder. In 2012, she started her company, Be Fit for Akhira, with the mission to inspire, motivate, and dedicate women to getting active, staying fit, and being strong with a purpose. She's also the podcast host of the Purposeful Fitness with Coach Ola show that brings together faith and fitness from an Islamic perspective. I am so excited to have Coach Ola on this show with me today, and I know that you will absolutely enjoy it as well. Assalamu alaikum, Coach Ola, how are you? Wa alaikum salam Zahra, alhamdulillah, how are you? I'm really, really well, super excited to have you on the podcast. I mean, I literally, like one of the first people I thought of um, to have on as a guest was you because you've, you're, I find you to be such an inspiration for Muslim women out there. So it's such an honor to have you. <laughs> Thank you. And I'm like really happy to be re-talking to you. Like it's been a long time because <laughs> we've been following <laughs> each other for a while on social media and it's really fun to see like our progression and how we change and it's yeah, so cool. exactly. It's so yeah. funny because it's like, I feel like I know you so, so well because we've been <laughs> following each other for years. It's, it's a funny world we're living in um, these days. But um, I kind of want to just get started with like, you know, introducing you. So I, I want to hear it from your words. If, if you can kind of sum up your journey into fitness for us all. Sure. So I am a certified fitness professional and a swim instructor. And so I started like my fitness journey started pretty much at a young age with swimming. But when I came to the United States, I got into track and field in high school. And then after that, I got introduced to weightlifting. Post that, I got back into the outdoors, functional training. And that is like in the nutshell of my fitness journey so far. (laughs) Besides the eating disorder, the mental health struggles along the side. But in the nutshell, it started at a young age and then um, became a certified personal trainer. 
Okay, that is a very, very like super, super summed up version. Let's go into a little bit more sort of, because I, I am really interested because your backstory is, I know of your backstory and I think it is very interesting and super inspiring because it's something that we as Muslims don't think of that often, or at least it's not something that we're talking about loudly at least. And that is eating disorders and mental health issues. And that's really sort of the, the, the personal story for you in getting into the fitness world so can you talk us through a little bit of that I think that will really inspire a lot of the listeners as well yeah I think it's it has to do a lot with the self-esteem uh, struggle that a lot of us can go through right the insecurities um it can start at a young age and some people can overcome it some people may not overcome it um so for me it started like late middle school and throughout high school and it was like all by one friend who introduced me to the concept of like, oh, like you can just throw up the food that you ate so you don't have to worry about the calories. Mm. And that's how I got uh, introduced for me in a roller coaster. And then when I met another friend um, after high school to get into weightlifting, that really helped me tone up my body and overcome the struggle of like, oh, my body is pretty. I don't have to work. I can eat whatever I want type thing and not worry about it because I'm still going to work out. But then when... I transferred like from community college to an actual university and school got harder. Then the workout time got cut down. Therefore, the anxiety, depression increased. And therefore, the time to work out was like not non-existent. And then weight gain and all of it came back. Mm-hmm. Not the like pinch eating or the throwing apart, but the mental health part, like it kind of relapsed. And I think I still kind of like go through the relapses phases, um, not the, the like eating disorder stuff like the depression or the anxiety it's it's a process and now I'm actually finally I finally seek therapy and I think it's been a, helpful um but I yeah it's definitely important to get help and I did get help and I think that you and I can talk about this where mm-hmm. things have changed but back in like high school when I saw the our physical doctor physician she was from our culture like you know Pakistani Muslim and mm-hmm. I felt like I was being judged because of like what I was doing cause my, yeah. what have you and that like put a bad um, like a taste in my mouth about the community about all of it the cultural stuff and I think that is a, still a struggle yeah, I totally agree. I mean, you've, you've just touched on so many um, interesting topics just then, you know. I, I want to sort of, the first thing about the bulimia, you know, I think that that's so interesting because um, there's this, uh, if we start with that and then we can move on to the mental health aspect in terms of like more anxiety and depression as well. But um, I think the interesting thing with that is sometimes I think that people who don't cover up, I mean, now if you're listening to this podcast, uh, Coach Ola is wearing a hijab, so she's covered up Muslim unlike me <laughs> but, um, and that a lot of people are thinking well if you're covered up you're not worried about your image and what you look like now I know this happened before you put on your hijab but still you know as Muslim women that we're not vain or we're not supposed to look after it like how we look in the mirror and think oh we need to look good as well and whatever and it's such a big misconception we do care about our image and we are also you know victim to these social um, ideas and pressures around what beauty is supposed to look like and so that obviously also hits muslim women as well and also as for you it was a very young age correct exactly the beauty and um yeah a young age yeah Do, how old were you i think it's sort of like at age 13 or so um yeah like late middle school and then throughout high school 
Yeah. So that's very young. And that's like basically the reality that we're dealing with now. And, and, and as you say, I mean, it's a constant thing that keeps coming back. The bulimia is managed, but the mental health aspect of it keeps coming back. And I love how you say like, you know, you, you're overcoming and you're battling it and then it comes back. And like it, it is, as you said yourself, you said mental health is a process. You know, it's something that you're constantly coming back to and you have to deal, deal with it in different stages, so to speak. Um, so you said you have struggled with anxiety and mental health uh, sorry depression so you'll find you're finding that the exercise is the thing that really helps you manage that part for you not by itself but yes like along with the journal therapy art therapy uh, music therapy nature therapy all of it has helped and I know you and I have talked about it as well um privately but yeah I mean that's what is helping in just that we have and obviously with COVID it kind of like triggered all over the emotional burnout is just, it's a real thing too no exactly so I mean we can definitely also come in on that I definitely had my um my hiccups when when COVID started several panic attacks and I had to really seriously unplug from all social media for a while um but coming back to your story so you were going through all these sort of personal battles and trying to find yourself and I guess just finding some peace and clarity in your mind before so many other things right uh, I also know this is the process when you also found your way truly into Islam as well and found God correct um yes it's so interesting that after the hijab I actually got a little bit like depressed um and I know I can be extreme as well and I think I'm still kind of going through that not extreme like practicing the faith but extreme in my opinions and how I express myself <laughs> that's good alhamdulillah we need more people like that <laughs> We, could, we will talk into that in a bit. But yeah, I went in a little bit of extreme practice. Like, this is halal, this is haram. I got to do this. I cannot do this. My parents thought I was becoming a little bit too much. And yeah, it definitely blew my mind. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think that's really, really common, actually, when people... Um either revert or com like convert to Islam that they take it on. And I, I, I actually went through something very similar and I sort of like, was like, no, 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 this is not. Cause I was obviously, you, you were raised with Islam, weren't you? But like a little bit more sort of subdued version, correct? You're like, so I was also raised with Islam, but finding your way to Islam yourself when you're sort of like older and you can think of things yourself and the concepts yourself, it brings on a whole different image. And you're like, oh, I really actually have to sit down and think about God and the concept of God and me to God and what am I doing in my life and so on and so forth. But it's very easy to go to like that extreme road. But so what brought it back for you? What made you find that balance in your life? Um, yeah, that's a good question. And I think for me, it's to keep the remembrance of Allah Taala like in our, like in the heart to keep the zikr of him. And I think it's also um, like finding that true peace within oneself and accepting oneself and then praying as well you know, like you know sticking to the prayers our prayer like the, the, the prayers um understanding who we are and who we want to be and be, being okay with like our shy our shy personality because like i'm i'm in like introvert extrovert like i'm in both <laughs> yeah just understanding who you are and surround yourself with the right people mm, just because yeah. someone wears the hijab doesn't mean they're pious or like abaya mm. or they're pious i i agree <laughs> 
yeah, yeah, I know, like, we're obviously at that time now, but I kind of, like, judged the cover in a sense. I was like, oh, I got to dress like that. I got to be like that. I'm like, okay, that's not who I am. I'm not comfortable like that. And I think that also impacted my fitness journey, like, a lot. Because when I went to the gym, oh, but I can't wear this tight clothes or this and that. And so there is a lot of changes. And I know, like, with the marketing efforts, like, right now, Obviously, we're promoting, like, fitness to the Muslim women who are wearing, like, tightness while hijab. Mm-hmm. And I was having conversation with someone else. And she's like, it's not making her happy because we are kind of, like, kicking out um, other women. But then I am also noticing how now, on the flip side, there are Muslim women, women coming together to promote, like, you know, modest fitness and what have you. I just want to say, first of all, you're not wearing tight clothes. <laughs> I, I wear tight clothes. <laughs> Yours is actually, to me, sort of quite loose fitting, but I know we all have our different sort of like limits and borders and stuff to cross and all the limits to cross, I think, I don't know what it's called. Um, but I, but like in that time, I find that after 2014 and like the next couple of years after that, I saw a lot of new women starting up, you know, modest fitness brands, clothing, fitness apparel for Muslim women. So there is a quite a big variety for women. So you don't have to wear, you know, the Nike sports bra, you know, and the super tight Lululemon, I don't know, tiny little shorts, you know, you, you can wear something relatively loose fitting and modest and still do your exercise and things like that. But I guess the thing is some people still consider that to be quite revealing. But it's really interesting where you've taken your fitness because you're, you're doing so many different things. You know, you say yourself right now, you're doing more sort of like the outdoor functional fitness type, but you're also doing swimming, which I find so interesting. I think because it's not something that we, you know, we're not used to seeing, especially in the Western world, women with, I, I assume you're wearing a burkini when you go swimming. Do you call it burkini in, in, the, in the States? So I, that's a funny thing because I would like to ask your audience if they are interested. I launched the Sinfraka campaign this summer and I had a webinar with Splash Gear who has her own like line and we talk about the history of burkini and the word burkini. I know now it's becoming like a word being used but if you look back into the history it's actually a trademark word like Kleenex and like you know tissue what have you and I did not know that so I was like we need to talk about it. (laughs) Exactly but people just don't care you know like history pass and move on. So yeah I do wear like modest clothes so there are like brands so for instance like Lyra Swimmer has been you know helpful for me um let's see I do make up my own sometimes so for instance like a speedo swimsuit and then on top of that a rash guard pants underneath it so and then obviously thanks to Nike well now we have a Nike bikini yeah it's a whole new topic but I know people are happy about it in the Europe I know people are like oh my god that's so exciting and I know there are like a billion opinions out there about this yeah so that's my thing that there is a solution to the in the marketplace um and i would recommend people to try but i do wear quote-unquote burkini or swimwear Mm. (laughs) modestness Well, that's the thing, because um, I, I remember back when I was working in a, in a gym in London and they had the pool and the first time they put new regulations up, they did like a remodel and they put like a little like a little drawing of a woman wearing a burkini. I don't know what the other word for a burkini is, so I'm just going to continue to say burkini. <laughs> 
but like a, a picture of like this is acceptable swimwear like so they were like we also accept muslim women who want to cover up and go for a swim we accept that this is also a, a normal swimwear but it's just still such a new thing and i'm just so curious as to sort of like how you find you know working with muslim women in in that scenario in like swimming scenario and being covered up and being okay getting in the water and there might be men in the water as well and things like that have you ever like have, has there been any challenges in terms of other clients or has it have people generally just been sort of like yes i want this yeah and i did that was the whole intention of um to talk about it that yes there are struggles and obviously thanks to nike to bring the into conversation because we do need like no big brands to stand up for us but we also hopefully action but there is definitely um a struggle for a lot of women who wear like modest clothes not just like hijab and when i before covid i had a client you know two clients pack you know pakistani women who didn't wear the hijab but was still kept modest they finally felt the freedom and like a change was happening and obviously covid happened but even when during the COVID, I've had a few people who are interested in swimming, but obviously there are like harder times in pools. And I know in the UK, pools are like opening, reopening and all that mm-hmm. fun jazz. And I keep preaching the message that it also it all goes back to the mindset of what you're comfortable in. But the reality is that, yes, there are a lot of Muslim women who have been brought up in the mindset like a woman should not be in front of men in the pool. The tightness, the cleanness of clothes, they're not comfortable. I had like one person who would send me a DM from New York saying, thank you so much for bringing this up. I have been brought like it's like Muharram or like whatever, like, you know, the whole like a man has to be with me. Yeah. And it bothered me this one time at the pool I used to swim this guy this man who I believe is Muslim swimming comfortably and he's like oh yeah my wife doesn't swim and I'm not trying to assume things but that's like you know an assumption in my head oh because you're a man you're swimming but why can't your wife not be swimming we have all of that and I yeah. can talk about it all day. I want to hear more. I <laughs> absolutely want to hear more because that's that's the thing. You know, the assumptions don't just come from outside of the community. It comes from our own communities as well. And so we're really good at breeding into these stereotypes about ourselves as well. And we're not going to be able to change those narratives about us that can be quite damaging for our health and well-being if we don't speak up about it, you know. And something like swimming in a public place, if you're dressed accordingly is not haram <laughs> you know you're looking after yourself right <laughs> exactly it's drown save you you're protecting yourself from drowning and that was the whole intention of the webinars and i have like six webinars to kind of like you know prove the point and i'm not sure if it did that but that was the whole intention of like bringing different women along the side with me saying let's talk about this issue and what motivated me about it it was the black lives matter movement in the u.s and around the world obviously because all the swimming community were aligning with the black swimmers which is amazing and that's like my next goal inshallah but to me i'm like well i'm also a victim i had a you know let's put it bluntly out there a blonde a white lady blonde hair as well who bullied me and i i put my story as a like a comic picture mm-hmm. and i know it turned some people off some people on but the reality is that i had a woman who told me in 2018 that you can't be a come like straight to my face did you know that a woman in burkini cannot teach swimming at xyz recreation center and i'm like what and obviously i reported the incident but that is the passion within me the fire within me like 
hell no, we do a swim. Yeah. <laughs> let me become a certified instructor. Let yeah. me put my voice out there. Was she someone who was going to give you like the certificate or was she just like some random Karen? I applied at a like local swimming school mm-hmm. for little kids. And it was like during the training. So during the training of the, at the workplace, because I had to do 48 hours in to, 40, 40 hours in total of training, but in 20 hours of training, they will decide if you want to keep me forward or not move forward in the application of the job to work with them. So within the 20 hours, this lady was like, you know, harassed me at, at the like, you know, corner of the pool after all the parents and kids left saying like, where do you live? Did you know that? How many laps have you swam before? Like this, what you're wearing? Did you know that at XYZ, they don't hire women in burkini? And obviously I reported the incident and I recalled mm. the rec center to confirm and the rec center employee was like upset as well to hear that. Mm. And I didn't get the job, of course, but yeah, you got to stand for yourself and yeah. the consequences. <laughs> Yeah, and, and I, I'm so glad that you're bringing it up because this is something that I've I've also noticed, you know, in following you, and it's been super refreshing to see that you're you're also becoming more and more comfortable standing up for who you are and sort of having that voice. No, because the the thing is, you, you know, when as a Muslim woman, you, when you're putting yourself out there, and I and I assume, you know, when you wear a hijab, you have certain criticism. When you don't have wear a hijab, you get a, a different criticism. But nonetheless, it doesn't matter what you do, you're going to get criticized because you're a Muslim woman and you're standing up and so you're getting it you know not just from quote-unquote white people (laughs) let's say non-muslims because obviously you could be white and muslim as well but non-muslims you're also getting it from the community as well so you constantly have to battle to find your place or, or, or fight for your right to be you so so what's like what's that been like for you i mean because all you're doing is just doing what you love yeah you will face i don't know if it's haters jealousy or what but you will face people that will literally try to put you down and that's why i'm like venting out and it's coming out of me because i think i've had enough and Mm. i think therapy has been helpful for sure but i'm just like i'm done um i'm done from the sense of like how i am like i've allowed people to kind of like either like said to me or because I'm nice and forgiving I allow friends to come back and then like I don't know so I'm definitely battling that and I heard from another person who a coach who obviously like you know empowering the Muslim women to get to get out of abusive relationships because she has come out of it and she said herself that you will face like these women in the community and you will kind of like I mean you don't have to but I think she has burned bridges within Mm. within the community and I'm hopefully I'm hoping not for me to happen for me but at the same time like yeah you will face those obstacles like obviously from an yeah like they will tell you something that they're doing like don't do something but they're doing that and it's kind of like why are you telling me not to do a lot of hypocrisy (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely but it's, it's so true so like what do you think if you sort of if you think back do you have like a specific moment where you were sort of like had that aha moment like no, I need to, I'm allowed to, I can say, like, was there a specific moment or was it more like an evolution to, to get to that point? Ooh. Um, <laughs> that's so interesting. So obviously we for Akira 2014 with an aha moment when my grandma passed away and, you know, saw lectures, all that woken up moment, like what I have a life in here to live. And 
obviously putting that out on Instagram and social media has been kind of difficult as well. I thought just because I have a beef for Akhirah, I will get the Muslims attracted. No, that turned out to be opposite. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and moving forward, like, you know, I see all these people doing what I'm doing. They get all the followers, but oh, because I'm not like it made me feel social media made me feel like I'm not enough. I'm not worthy. Mm. And then now that I'm doing swimming, my own thing, I also have I have a support system and I have people who have come on my side, but I've also had people who took it for advantage and marketing and also within the Muslim, you know, marketing. Mm. <laughs> so you just have to keep yourself vigilant and under, like, you know, because I, I don't know. I mean, it's not just a woman. I think it's also a man problem, but I feel like women have it sometimes more where we can get carried away. And I noticed from the therapy work that, yeah, I can romanticize relationships. Mm. And, like, you, we can, like, give in, but don't walk into something before you sign a contract, for instance, that is mm. so detailed. For Just an example from an experience yeah. that I've walked yeah. out of. Um, and then don't give your, like, content to a company without copywriting it or whatever, because mm. you just never know. Not everybody is going to want the best for you, unfortunately, in this world. And I and I definitely think that, that when you when you put yourself out there loudly on social media, there will always be someone who will look at you critically. And, and you've, you've definitely seen that. And it's just been so encouraging to, to see you grow as well on, on social media and see your evolution on social media. And I got to say, I mean, I really, I enjoy probably most of all, like when you're having your little rants or like, <laughs> on your, I think that's so refreshing because it's like, yeah, but this is the reality. And if somebody says something to you, you need to, to stand up for yourself. And I think that's personally very, very refreshing. And that is something that I, I, um, I admire greatly in you for sure. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so I know that you've got a bit of a back end, so we're a little bit pushed for time. I definitely think with your permission, I'd love to have you on again another time on the podcast to, so we can maybe even talk more about this subject because it is super interesting and I know we're both really passionate about it. But before you go, um, if you can kind of just share, where can people find you, some links, where do they need to connect with you? Sure. So you can find my podcast as well, Purposeful Fitness with Coach Ola, and then a YouTube or social media at Bfit for Akhira, B-E-F-I-T, number four, A-K-H-I-R-A-H. Um, that's where it's all at. And I look forward to hopefully, you know, work out with you, stay inspired and stand up for yourself. Yeah, no, that is so good. Thank you so much, Coach Ola, for being here today. It was such a pleasure to meet you. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening in to today's episode. If you want to connect with me elsewhere, you can find the links to my socials on zarapedison.com. Before you go, I'd love it if you could leave me a review or tell a friend about the podcast. And if you're new here, you might as well subscribe. You'll be back. I know it. You know it. There's no point in delaying the commitment. Welcome to the sisterhood, babe. Until next time, please don't forget to live in love.